Right now, it's on the next level. Are you on the level? You throw another moon at me, and I'm gonna lose it. Stark. You know me? I do. You're not the only one cursed with knowledge. My only curse is you. Panels to Pixels, Avengers Infinity War Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. So we're actually going to be reviewing Avengers Infinity War. Pretty much a movie that's been out for more than a year. But <laughs> yeah, there's no spoilers. We can't do really spoilers on this thing. <laughs> so if you get spoiled, that's shame on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I, a quick, just a quick recap of, of the movie for those that don't remember or haven't watched it recently. Uh, it, it opens up on a, a destroyed or an almost destroyed spaceship after a battle. Um, Thanos has it already has one stone, and uh, he gets the power stone from Loki in the opening scenes. Uh, throughout the rest of the movie, we see Thanos collecting more of the Infinity Stones, and his goal is to kill half of the universe in some crazy scheme to save it by bringing balance, supposedly. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't agree with it personally, but hey. By the end of the movie, Thanos has all the stones, and he accomplishes his goal, and he sets us up for Avengers Endgame, which is coming in July, April? May. What is it? May. <laughs> I was all around it. I was all around it. Okay. <laughs> well, we're all anticipating it. We went over that last week, how many movies were going to be spoiled with this year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, we should get to our top five of Avengers Infinity War. So, Steve, I'm going to let you start off. Absolutely. I will start with the director's intro. So on the disc that I have, at least, uh, there is a, like a director's in, uh, intro with J- the, the Russo brothers. Is it Are they brothers? Is it just? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I almost thought I was wrong with that. The Russo brothers. And one of the things they said in it that stood out to me was they said 18 movies have led up to this one. Uh, or there's actually these two films because I guess they either filmed them back to back or they filmed them simultaneously or or something like that. And that just blew my mind because I didn't I guess I didn't realize it was 18 movies, you know, between what, three Iron Man movies, um, four Captain America movies. Or is it three Captain America movies? Three. Three. Yeah, three. So three Iron Man movies, three Captain America movies, three Thor movies, a couple of Spider Man movies, or one Spider Man movie, and just all the the movies that that they're lumping into their eighteen. Um, it just seems like a huge number to me, and I don't think I've even seen them all. I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure you've probably got seen a lot of them. I've seen most of them, I'm <laughs> sure, but uh, I've probably only seen them once, a bunch of them. So yeah, I, I've seen them all. But I can't fathom the idea of people like Mark Bernardin, who is uh, Kevin Smith's co-host on Fat Man Beyond, 
<laughs> and he had did an all-nighter of watching all the movies until the last Avengers film, the the one that we're doing now, Infinity War. Wow. So he did it, like, it, it took, like, the it's a span of, like, a day and a half, I think, or, or whatever, in the theater. Yeah. Well, and I know leading up to Infinity War, a bunch of theaters did that, where they, they just ran... Like for two days straight, they would run all the movies in supposedly in whatever order they had them in. And uh, I, su- I assume probably theaters are going to do the same thing this time when Endgame comes out. They'll probably do something similar. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not one of those people. But then again, the only thing you get at the end of those things, I think they hand out like a, a specific little gold coin or something commemorating yeah. it or something like that. It depends on who's doing it and what they're doing, but uh, I'm sorry. I could do that at home at my own <laughs> yeah, leisure. Exactly. I, exactly. I have all the movies that I need. Exactly. Exactly. So that was my number five. Just the fact that there's 18 movies that have led up to, to these, these movies. Yeah. My number five would be Thor going to Nevedalir, uh to have Eltry to make Stormbreaker for him. I thought that was really amazing. I love that scene. Uh, it was the ultimate weapon that Thor needed to replace Mjolnir to try and take down Thanos because, as we all know, in Thor Ragnarok, he loses Mjolnir to his sister who just destroys it. The way he goes to El- uh, have Eltry make Stormbreaker with Rocket helping out and at the end group providing that handle for it with his own body... That that was just so engaging just to watch. It, you could feel the pain, you could feel them really wanting to do it. I, I thought it was very well done. Uh, definitely with Peter Dinklage as Eltry. And uh, it, it just makes me laugh. Uh, a dwarf yeah. giant. <laughs> yeah. I actually had that in the notes. So that was, I'm glad you brought that up because that was, that's a really funny part. As soon as you see him, uh, it, he's this gigantic, but it's still a dwarf body, but it's gigantic. You know, he's just towering over everybody. He's, he's shouting at Thor about he did how he didn't protect them and stuff. And yeah, that's a great, that's a great scene. And I had forgotten actually that Groot had to give up a piece of himself for that handle. So it, it makes it even more important when you go back to the scene in the Guardian's ship when they're kind of breaking up, you know, and they make a joke about it and Thor goes, okay, the morons are going to go this way or, you know, Rocket says, send the morons that way and we're going to go this way. But when you really think about it, if Thor hadn't met them, if he hadn't taken Rocket and Groot with him, how would they have gotten the handle? Exactly. You know? And so it's really interesting. And that's one of those things that I had forgotten about is some of the things that interplayed in this in this movie of all the things that kind of locked ended up locking together. So, yeah, my number four is that opening scene. And uh, just the fact that it was, I I chuckled at Loki using the line uh, from that first Avengers movie when he looks at Thanos (laughs) and he says, we have a Hulk. And then of course, Thanos beats Hulk, you know? Um, But I I thought that was, uh, that was kind of cool. Him delivering that line, thinking it was going to be the end all be all of the, of the fight. Uh, and yet that didn't happen. So, it, But it did leave me with one question. They're at the point where their ship is completely decimated. And I've got this later in my notes or a bit of this later in my notes. Thor says everybody has been killed now. Yeah. And it, Thor, Loki, and Himdall, right? Himdall the guy, is the guy that, Himdall, with, yeah. The, yeah, with the rainbow bridge. They're the only three that are left alive. Correct. And that's when Hulk comes out. 
<laughs> so you're telling me Hulk waited the entire battle, the whole fight, everything going on. Hulk's just waiting in the wings, just waiting for Loki to deliver that line so he can fight that. It just or <laughs> or when I I have a theory about that. Go ahead, please, because help me out. All right, he said everybody else is dead. Now, mind you, if you remember, Banner, at times, there were times in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe where he pretty much almost dies, like where he tried to shoot himself in the mouth and he spit out the bullet because he Banner, he could have been in his human form and when they got attacked and then they could have hit him, just hit him with a blaster or something, thought he was dead, and then it takes time for Hulk... To, okay. Okay. To I transform, can, yeah. just like uh, at, in Ragnarok, at the very end, he just jumps out of the helicopter or, or that little spaceship or whatever, and falls right on the Rainbow Bridge and just flaps around. And looks like he's dead. And next thing you know, she's like, "Oh, great, that was it." And then, yeah. And then he turns into Hulk and then presses. Okay. Uh, okay. I get. I guess I, I can give. A, if that. If that's how it happens. So because I can see that. I can see that as a as a battle strategy for Thanos's people. That that they would find Banner first and kind of hit him with something powerful enough to knock him down and and kill him and keep Hulk out of the fight. For the okay, I'll 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 give in to that. I'll I'll let that slide. But uh, uh, I I really did. It was just that whole opening scene is really cool. And and then we have Loki you know, giving up the infinity stone, the Tesseract, the, the, the power stone yeah. to, to Thanos in order to save Thor's life. And of course, then Thanos kills Loki, but he lets Thor live. And that to me, that was another kind of eyebrow raising moment for me. Cause I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, he's killed everybody else. He just killed Loki to get the, to get the stone and he's going to let Thor live. And I just can't see why. Um, I don't know if it's maybe just plot armor because, you know, we need to have Thor at the end of the movie, but it just, it's one of those, those things where you kind of want to go, why would Thanos like kill everybody else and just leave Thor? Uh, you know, maybe it's a cruelty, cruelty thing that he's figures he'll leave Thor alive to be the one survivor. Yeah. Uh, you know that, it, and they have talked about that before. That I guess Thanos would do that in certain situations where he would leave like one survivor to tell, sort of tell the tale of what had happened. So, okay, I, I just talked myself out of my own negative <laughs> point back to a positive point. All right, uh, what is your number four? Uh, that would be Thanos's manipulation in nowhere. How he was able to get Gamora from the Guardians so he can get the Soul Stone. Plus seeing the Red Skull on that planet, uh, that you know, and finding out why he could not obtain it due to not sacrificing someone he loved, because he had nobody that he loved. Yeah. Uh, but that scene with Quill, Gamora, and Thanos was so tear-jerking for me because it was hard for Quill and Gamora to state what they never said to one another before. A lot of people give it flack because, wow, I think at the time. We only had what two Guardians movies, and they're they're saying that it was rushed. I don't think it was rushed. I think you know the obviously time has passed between the first Guardians movie and the second Guardians movie, and obviously from the second to Infinity War. So things have been where they kind of built up between them. Yeah, I I never I never heard that criticism of it because I didn't I I never 
No, I never saw that because by the end of the second Guardians movie, we really have them getting close. We have the whole thing with Mantis revealing and, you uh-huh. know, how he feels about Gamora. And we, we have several scenes in the second Guardians movie that look like they're really progressing. And I, I have it later, I think later in my notes. But even at the beginning of this, when they show them in in the ship and they're flying and they're all and he's singing the song and she's singing the song with him. You know, I, I get them as as a couple. I didn't I I didn't think it saw it seemed forced. It, it did. Now, there was obviously kind of a vibe of that. They haven't fully admitted how they feel toward one another that this is you know this is the the chance for them to actually say those those big words you know um but just see i think um chris pratt uh played it so well uh with just the anguish in his voice when she's standing in front of him and thanos has got a hold of her and he's got the gun on her and she wants him to kill her and he can't do it and then he finally does pull the trigger and of course thanos has warped reality so that the gun doesn't doesn't fire but just that that thought that anguish on his voice i think he played it really really well i i yeah i'm with you that was a very, very yeah that, i give them kudos scene. for that the way they acted it uh so my number three is uh is bruce not willing or unable to change into the hulk through after that fight with thanos and you know especially during that first fight uh on earth with thanos's henchmen they kind of keep uh going uh, they do some funny lines with with tony where he's like where's the big guy you know and and bruce is like he won't come out we get the images of of we see uh hulk going no and in all this and um but it, it did bring up an interesting point to me that i thought i wanted to, to put in here is that you know except for the capture of doctor strange thanos's henchmen's they're pretty ineffective at getting the stones really. Cause even those two that go after vision, they get um, maybe not completely defeated, but they get defeated pretty easily by, by Falcon. Now, you know, it was four heroes. It was Falcon captain, or I guess five really, uh, you know, they were fighting against, hmm. against five against two, but it still seems like, you know, the last second, it seems like he, he brings these gigantic hordes and these, battles to fight everybody else but he sends these two henchmen to go after vision and they they kind of when they're faced with on the ground there the one guy is kind of knocked out and and she asks him you know can you get up and he's like no i can't get up and she so she's like you know not in uh i think natasha black widow says um we're not going to kill you unless we have to or something like that and and the woman says well you're not going to kill me at all today and then they beam up to the ship, you know, and then Cap, the 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 spear gets slipped out of Cap's hand, um, and uh, so it really it really made that point to me that that uh, without Thanos with them, they kind of don't they're not very good yeah. at their job. Yeah, I see that too. <laughs> typical typical bumbling henchmen, I would say. Exactly, exactly. Well, and I almost forgot to mention the the two that are on the ship with Doctor Strange that do capture Doctor Strange, or the one guy, what's his name, Ma Ebony Ma. You know, he's on the ship with with Doctor Strange, and they defeat him pretty easily as well. They just blow him out the airlock, and he's done. Like he's he's that's it for him. You know, uh, no karma points for Spider Man or or Iron Man or whichever one I guess technically was the killer, but. You know that guy; he's floating out in space somewhere. Uh, so that was my number three. What is uh, that your would number be three, Nebula sir? Helping 
uh, this is overlooked by so many people that I've talked about with this film. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is overlooked at where she was in the first film to the second and to Infinity Wars. In the first Guardians movie, she was daughter of Thanos and having to go against and due to her jealousy of her sister Gamora. And then finally, by the end of Volume 2, she's with them in some way. It was kind of discouraging, but by Infinity Wars, you could tell she's there to help even though she's got that <laughs> sarcastic wit about her and anger within her. Uh, I, I got to give it to her. I, I love the actress. I love her so much. And Yeah, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan no, is great, and you no, can't even tell that it's her. A didn't even know that. You I know? actually um, showed a she... picture to uh, a guy I work with, and <laughs> he's all into Marvel, and he didn't realize it. He goes, wait. Yeah. Because they have the the trailers for Jumanji in our store and he's like I'm like yeah and he goes are you mm-hmm. kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that's and that's a that's a cool thing about that shows us how how what kind of range Karen Gillan has you know because of the fact that she's playing this part that doesn't look anything like her it was kind of like people complained about Rocket not sounding anything like Bradley Cooper and people were like well that's because he's it's he's acting it's a voice it's a voice acting it's not Bradley Cooper Rocket, yeah. it's Rocket, the character. You know, he's created a new character. He's he shouldn't sound like Bradley Cooper. And so it, it, that's I really like that you put that in the notes because I hadn't I'll I'll admit I'm I'm with everybody else. I hadn't I hadn't really put no thought no thought into Nebula at all because she's so brief. Not really brief, but she's just kind of there mm-hmm. in the background, really. But like you said, through this whole movie, she's there in the background and Thanos sets it up. You know, she sets up at the end of Guardians Volume 2, she says, you know, she leaves. She has become, basically, she's become one of the Guardians there when they defeat um, Kurt Russell's character. Ego, thank you. They they defeat Ego, and she's kind of joined the Guardians, and then they're like, well, Gamora's trying to get her to come with them. And she says, no, I'm going to go after Thanos, and that's what Thanos says when we see her kind of in that torture chamber kind of thing is that Thanos says you know she I caught her on my ship trying to kill me and then I discovered all this stuff and that's when he discovered that Gamora knew yeah. actually knew where the soul stone was and all this and then for the rest of this movie she's just kind of in the background you know after her escape she's just kind of in the background of every scene but she's definitely there and she's definitely uh trying to help so yeah yeah I'm, that's I'm why with I you love that. that's a good pull the guardians of the galaxy because without them, we wouldn't have that extra comic, uh, cosmic style, like, you know, Star Wars style or whatever within the MCU. Because this was basically Marvel's Star Wars, but now it and it enters Marvel yeah. into the cosmic universe as a whole. And it's very wide and bright, and there's so many other characters that are going to be coming in. I'm just hoping that we get something in this next movie that even expands more than that. They already hinted on Volume 2 about Adam Warlock, but I'm assuming the Living Tribunal or Eternity or one of the other Titans that are out there would come in into play in some way. I'm hoping. Yeah, and that that leads right into my number two, which is basically my number two is just all this. Any scene that had any guardian in it 
is is great for me. Like I just love I I love those movies. I love those characters. I love everything about how they use them. And and I'm I'm really I'm a little I'm a, a little disappointed that uh, uh, the the same guy is not going to be on for volume three. Um, so I hope that still volume three happens and it still has the same kind of feel as yeah. the other, the, the first two, they said, supposedly yep. they're still going to use his script. They just won't be using his direction. So, uh, I, I'm looking forward to volume three at the same time as, uh, I just, I just love everything. I, I love the whole thing when they're, when they first meet Thor <laughs> and the, the whole, uh, you know, the, the, the whole back and forth with Quill and, and the rest of them about how, you know, uh, uh, you're one sandwich away from being fat, and he's you know he kind of changes his voice, and he's just like, "No, you will not take our ship." And they're like, "What are you doing to your voice?" And he's like, "I'm doing nothing to my voice. This is how I talk, you know." And uh, uh, then then at the end, when he's talking, when he's dealing with Tony, and he goes, "Okay, we could do that that plan, your plan, but it sucks. So we're gonna do my plan, yeah, which doesn't suck, exactly. you know." And it was just, I just love uh, everything thing they do I, I love drax i love the interplay between drax and mantis i, I it just every she's she's hilarious the, you know the whole thing with again going back to the whole thing with thor when they first meet him and gamora's kind of like feeling his <laughs> muscles and, and and quill quill is like is like don't massage his muscles you know and then and then when they're when he's talking to dr strange and and or uh tony stark one of them whichever one says oh and mr lord could you get your people in line and he's like no it's just star lord Lord, it's not Mr. Lord, you know, and uh, we're reminded of that that whole idea that he he's got wants people to call him Star Lord, and uh, say so I just yeah. love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I love those movies. Uh, those guys, are, uh, especially are really, that one really line great. when he says, "You know, fifty percent of me is human, which is a hundred percent of you, and that fifty percent is stupid is a hundred percent stupid of you." <laughs> I, I, I love that. That whole thing was great. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, well, I'm half human and yeah, it's a hundred percent stupid. So yeah, it's, uh, it's everything is just everything they, they do with the guardians. I just love, I just love. So we are, are we are on your number three? Uh, or number, your number two. Yeah. Between Thanos and everyone on what was remnants of Titan, which is pretty much where you left off just now. Uh, or the yeah. illusion of Titan. I'm thinking it was Titan. It had to be because he brings it up and it just image shows uh, Iron Man, Spider-Man, the Guardians of the Galaxy, what we have of them, and Doctor Strange. Great cinematic battle of these characters against Thanos. Bottom line, uh, seeing Spider-Man and Tony just trying to yank off the uh, glove. You have Mantis on top trying to soothe Thanos down. You got Peter right in front of him taunting him and everything and talking bad at him. Uh, uh, this is tied with my number one, honestly. Uh, I, I love the scene so much. Uh, I, I can't get enough of it. That, that to me, my mouth was dropped and smiling, and I was happy in the theater once I saw that, because that that's what we all were looking for as Marvel fans, uh, looking for all these characters to come together. Yeah. And, yeah, we got a hint of that in Civil War with the battle at the airport, but this one was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this, for me, this is my number one, because this this is even more so than the fight on Earth, because the fight on Earth kind of had an inevitable conclusion that we knew, 
or at least the not maybe not the first time we watched it, but every other time we've watched it, when we see the battle on Earth, we just we know how it's going to end. We know we, we know what's happening, and, and uh, so the battle on Earth. I, I even like this this fight on on, on Titan is uh, is probably my yeah my favorite definitely of of the episode from the really the beginning and even before Thanos shows up to get the time stone, you know, they have that whole inter- interplay. And I think I've got the quote in my notes where, uh, Drax says, I'll do you one better. Wise Gamora, <laughs> you know, Quill, Quill says, uh, Quill, Quill says, where's Gamora. And, uh, Dr. Strange says, who's Gamora? I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora. And then Drax is like, well, I'll do you one better. Wise Gamora. And when I looked up the trivia on that line, uh, they said that he actually, that, uh, Batista, uh, actually got that line from Chris Pratt and it was completely improvised. Like Chris <laughs> Pratt gave him that line to, to give in that, in that scene that it wasn't written that, uh, and they, they kept it in because it was just so good, but I'll just never, that I'll do you one better wise Gamora. So, um, uh, um, so is there any more with, with that with your well, number one? Other than there? the final battle with Thor coming in, sorry, this is a, a part, <laughs> a two-parter for me. So the scene with Thor, Rocket, and Groot with Stormbreaker and just wiping out all the baddies, uh, that was the tiebreaker. Uh, yeah. The tiebreaker maybe would be Black Widow, uh, Okoye, and Scarlet Witch coming together to the battle. And that classic <laughs> line from Okoye about Scarlet Witch which, you know, being up in the tower and not being with them on the battlefield. What was she doing up there? <laughs> yeah. You know, and here's the thing. And Akoya and the girl in, in Black Widow, you know, they don't get enough credit, uh, I think, in this whole movie and all these movies, really. Because of all of our characters, they're the only two. Well, I guess Hawkeye would be in there also. Um don't have any special yeah. superpowers. They're just they're just a person who, albeit they're augmented by some mm-hmm. uh, equipment, you know. But they don't have anything special to yeah. keep them from getting killed. You know, they don't they don't have indestructible skin. They don't. They're not. They can't phase through things. They don't have the powers. Uh, all that. And so I, I I think we we forget sometimes that Black Widow and and in uh, Hawkeye. And some of these other ones, they don't get uh, they don't get the credit exactly. that they deserve. And yeah, I, I thought it was just great to see that girl power kind of scene in there, and I yeah. think it's great for uh, little you know little girls, ladies, all of them to see because you know we had that with Wonder Woman coming out. Now we're gonna get a Black Widow uh, Black Widow movie apparently eventually. So I'm hoping to yeah. see more of this. Obviously, Captain Marvel's gonna be the next bigger. And I'm hoping that breaks Wonder mm-hmm. Woman, not to put Wonder Woman down. I loved Wonder Woman, but uh, <laughs> I'm starting to hear a lot of flack from people about Captain Marvel, and I don't like it. But I, I'm I'm wanting to see that movie. So oh, I want to see it. I saw the, the the newest trailer this week, or the second whatever trailer it was this week that I hadn't seen before that was really good, and I'm I'm really I'm excited for it. I want to see it. Um, the only the only point I want to make about this the whole Stormbreaker thing that that the only issue I had and and I guess it wasn't really a sharp axe, but I said the same thing the very first time I saw this in the theater. Every time Thor mm-hmm. went to whack him with that axe, especially when he whacked him in the chest, 
I wasn't thinking of going for the head, as Thanos said. I was like, I why don't you cut his too. hand off? Like, like, you know, I'm like, you have, like, as soon as, as soon as Idri mm-hmm. or Idri or whoever, whatever his name is, uh, as soon as he said he was making an axe, that was where my mind went. I was like, oh, Thor's going to cut his hand off or cut his arm off. That was the first thing I went to. And then when it didn't happen, you know, the first time I saw this in the theater, I'll, I'll admit, I think I've, I've expressed this before in other places. I was mm-hmm. extremely disappointed. With this movie, because I did, I did not know the comic storyline. I didn't know that it was that it was already planned out to be a two-parter. I didn't know any of that. So when it yeah. ended the way it ended, I was just I sat there just in shock, going, <laughs> "What? Did, what did I just waste two yeah, and a half hours of my yeah. life on?" Um, you know. And and now, of course, I've I've been able to go back and kind of reassess and have a little bit better yeah. uh, feel for it. Yeah, which which we'll get into my notes. But when I get into my notes, but let's look at we've got uh, some quotes down here. Let's let's look at some of our quotes that we haven't mentioned already because I think most of mine have been mentioned. Um, that uh, before we get into our additional notes, and uh, I like that when they're when they're on. Uh, when he's when Pete is pleading with Tony to let him stay and fight, he says, "You can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man yeah. if there's no neighborhood." And uh, Tony, Tony, you know, the rest of that line is something. Spider-Man says something like, "Well, I know that doesn't make any sense, but but here's you know, and because he, he really wants to fight." And uh, then the the one when uh, when Thor says the name, and I'm not even going to try. You, how do you say the name of that planet with the weapon oh, guy? Nevdalir. You said it so great. There you go. I can't say that. Uh, when he says that the first time, uh, Drax is like, you made that word up. And Thor's like, all words are made up. <laughs> oh. I got what have you got? You got uh, quite a few here. Uh, you're all screwed up. Uh, you're all screwed now. I'm sorry. I ruined that. <laughs> Bruce, when uh, Thor arrives, he's so <laughs> emphatic about it. It's like, oh, you're all screwed now. Uh, that that was like so like exciting because he just like, all right, <laughs> he's reigning in Thor. Yeah, Ruffalo plays that part. He plays that kind of whiny guy and he plays that kind of whiny doctor guy so, so well. And I love and I, I didn't mention it earlier, uh, but I kind of wish it, there's there's a scene at the very beginning of the movie where you where he sees Black Widow and he softens for a minute and he says, Hey Nat, he just kind of says it like 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 he's some guy finally seeing his yep. girlfriend for the first time in years, you know, and he's like, Hey Nat, and she just completely ignores him and goes on. And I'm just like, Oh, poor guy. Uh but I, I like I like Ruffalo. I like the way he plays uh, the that. The next part. one I would have would be, dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> and Tony talking to Bruce when he couldn't hulk out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the other would be, it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel. <laughs> Drags about Thor when they were on the Milano when they brought Thor on and then the ship of conscience. It was hilarious. Yeah. And I think... I think later even Quill calls him that again, doesn't he? Doesn't he say something like, take the, the baby pirate angel yeah. with you or something like that? Uh, the next would be uh, Koye saying, this is not what I imagined for our country, bringing in people from other places. <laughs> and uh, the Black Panther goes, and what did you imagine? Uh, Koye, I don't know, the Olympics or maybe a Starbucks. <laughs> the humor that they put into these films like make it so much better 
And it's not thrown in there yeah. just haphazardly like, you know, some of the DC stuff. But, you know, the the one that I give DC was like I work, work with children, you know, and in Justice League. But <clears throat> some yeah. of the other stuff was a little bit gimmicky in that. But with this, the it kind of works with the characters that are that are already there for Marvel because Spider-Man always has comebacks. Drax is always considered mm-hmm. too serious and you know that's you know he's he states verbatim exactly what it is and he takes things seriously so yeah. it is a joke in itself it's 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 he's such a great straight man in in comedy and i've 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 played the been that part in comedy theater before when i was in in high school and that is really one of the toughest parts to play to be honest and i even had uh comedic people tell me man you're doing a really good job but that whole scene when he's uh when he's in the spaceship and uh <laughs> and Gamora and Quill are talking and they're having this really serious conversation and suddenly they realize that Drax is there and he's like, I've been here the whole time. You just can't see me because I'm invisible. And they're like, no, you're, you're not invisible. He's like, no, really, I am. I'm moving so slowly you can't see me. And it's just – to be able to play that kind of a part is just – is really, is I think, really good. Yeah, so I, I think I, Dave I like Batista it. actually uh, what, sees his calling in film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so what additional notes did we have here, or did you have? Uh, the humor on some. Titan when Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Guardians were planning. Yeah. You know, that you went through that whole scene already, but Drax <laughs> yawning and Mantis bouncing around. That that was just so funny to watch behind, because you could see what the Guardians are and who they are. Uh, some of the levity we needed in, in the movie for all the darkness that was abound in the movie because of the whole war. Uh, uh, it's a Disney thing, but yeah. also Marvel thing. Disney is doing great things with the Marvel stuff. I do admit that it brings the kid within me out. Uh, I, I you go to these things and it just yeah. it's you're a kid again and you just can enjoy it, even with another adult or if you bring your own kids. Absolutely, yeah. I think I, I think for sure this this movie. Um, Definitely did had a good had a good blend. I think of the the comedy and kind of the 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 darkness because you real like I said at the beginning that opening scene everybody is dead. Loki gets Loki gets killed. You know um, Thor when he's talking to as much as it it becomes a funny conversation. It's pretty dark when Thor is talking to them on the ship about the fact that. Um, well, when Rocket Rocket tries to comfort him, and Rocket's like, "Well, you still got your mom," and he's like, "Killed by a dark elf." He's like, "Well, you still got your dad yeah. killed by my sister," and you know, "Oh, I'm sorry that you had to kill your brother. I'm sorry that you or that your brother got killed. That you had to kill your sister." You know, and all this, and yet in the middle of all that, we get this this uh, uh, one of my favorite lines is whenever somebody uh, says says something you like the whole thing with Drax when he was yawning and he looks at Dr. Strange, he looks at Tony Stark and he says, uh, yeah, you lost <laughs> me at, we need a plan. <laughs> so, you know, like everything he said after that was completely didn't, didn't even was com- totally disregarded. I, I, let me, I want to, before you get to the comic book one, Go I want to throw a couple of mine in here. Um, because I, I want to talk about that comic book one. Cause I, right. I don't know what that storyline is. Um, I had forgotten about Stan Lee's cameo as the, the bus driver in this. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of cool uh, to see him. And it was also touching and I missed, I must've walked out of once upon a Deadpool before 
the Stan Lee tribute. So I feel bad about that. But apparently on Once Upon a Deadpool, there's a Stan Lee at the end during the credits. There's yeah, a Stan Lee tribute that I missed. That uh, uh, helped uh, everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the only other note really that I had that we haven't talked about already because we already talked about Peter Dinklage um, was when Doctor Strange says that fourteen million six hundred five possible outcomes only one uh, where they win or Tony asks how many do we win he says one it made me wonder about how many of those had him giving this the stone to Thanos um, because the reason I say that is because that's the only action he had that he had really had control of Mm -hmm. at that point because they were stuck on Titan when Thanos went to earth. So really all, if there had to be, okay, I'm going to go on a limb. There had to be more than one of those 14,605 where he gave the stone to Thanos. Do you think, I mean, or do you think there's only one, the only outcome that this is the only outcome where he gave the stone, the I'm stone not to Thanos. I'm certain. Uh, there, like, like you say, there's fourteen million six hundred and five possibilities. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I can't imagine there's only one where he gave him the stone. So really, all he knows when he when he says to, to Tony, "This is the only way." Really, all he knows is this is the only way to start. Yeah, how we win, you know. Um, by giving, I would think anyway. I, I can't imagine that there was fourteen million six hundred and four. Well, where he maybe didn't give the stone he to did Thanos. give it up, but in you know. a sense, after he killed Tony. Because think about it, he spared Tony's oh, life. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see there, there there could be. Okay, you, I I could see what you're saying. So so the the one way maybe the one way isn't giving the Thanos the stone. Maybe the one way is where Tony survives. That's a good and and there has been speculation about that. So that that could be a point. There might have only been one scenario where Tony lived, where Tony didn't disintegrate, or where Tony uh, Tony lived. So that's that is an interesting point. Okay, so yeah, I, I just that would that made me wonder this time, and I hadn't thought about that before. You know, um, but uh, that is interesting. So let's get into your your note oh, yeah, there the, about the, the definitely change. Definitely, there was a change from the comic book form to the cinematic form. Uh, the original story of the Infinity Wars was different in the comic. It was all about Thanos doing all this for his love for Lady Death. Uh, with this, it, it changed it. The movie was centered around how Thanos wanted to do the good for the galaxy or the universe out there and for other beings to destroy half of it so that the other half could survive. Uh, It's something we've seen in history based upon war, but this was someone's or some beings thought to change everything for his own thought about what he thought was right for this whole universe, which is a completely opposite story compared to what was written in the comic because in the comic uh we do get all that you know of him doing all these things fighting there are other heroes obviously that are involved we don't see them in this movie but uh it's very similar in a sense where he was collecting the stones he in the very end he he does all this just to and just like i said it's the. I think the only similarity would be the snap, where he does, and he does that for Lady Death, and 
the other thing that was very true to the comic, and we see it at the very end, and we're seeing hints of it in all the previews, is uh, Farmer Thanos with the Scarecrow. Uh, so the only thing I do not want <laughs> yeah. to see at the end of Endgame, and it better not happen. If they do do it as a joke at the very end, at the end credits, at, in the comic book, they arrest him and put him in a paddy wagon. <laughs> so let's oh. not do that, Marvel <laughs> Disney. I know, but they should just do it at the yeah. very end as a joke. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens right. when we do actually get to see Endgame. But yeah. Yeah, I, I find that interesting that because it really does – it changes the motivation of what he's doing from the comics to the movie because the, the comics, that makes it – it's a very selfish motivation that he's doing because he's doing it for himself to give his tribute. And I don't know the exact story, but from what you said and what I've read online, there's – you know, it's it's a very right. selfish motivation to where he's trying to to give this tribute or impress Lady Death. Whereas in the comic, in the movie, the movie is trying to put him forth as. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think the I don't think they're trying to portray him as a sympathetic character, or as a as a good guy for wanting to do this. But I think they're definitely they're definitely showing him as kind of a dictator and, and kind of a, a genocidal maniac in that what he wants to do but that he feel that they put him out as that he feels or at least his followers definitely think he feels like he's saving the universe by getting rid of half of of the uh, population of the universe like Um, instead of a selfish act it's a selfless act in his mind yeah Right, right. In his in his mind, he's seeing it as I'm saving the world and and I'm saving the universe, not hurting it. You know, and that's in fact he tells Gamora that when he tries to justify what he did on her world. He says, Well, when you were when you were there, you went to bed hungry. People, nobody could eat there wasn't enough food for everybody. Now everybody goes to bed with hellies. There everyone sees the next sunrise or or however he says it. You know, um, and so he really sees himself as some kind of benefactor who's helping these these worlds that he goes to by helping them not uh, consume more resources. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that is interesting. We should really be giving um, somebody a hero award because you're going to read our feedback. We actually have feedback, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to Pat for your feedback. And this is what Pat wrote. Thanos has it right. There are too many people here. It doesn't make him a bad guy to clean up the, pan- the planet, especially since he's not choosing who goes. And I don't, I don't disagree with you completely, Pat. I, I do want to say that. I don't completely disagree, but I want to add one thing. The only difference, though, is when he does the snap, yes, he doesn't choose his victims. But from what we saw in this movie, at least, every world he went to, he did, or his followers at least, would choose their victims. He didn't just randomly kill people. He actually you know, picked people out of the crowd to kill in these other places. So, yes, whereas with the universe, it may be he thinks he's being altruistic with these worlds that he's conquering. It's not. He's singling people out and then taking people if he thinks he they could be of use to him, like taking the, the child Gamora and raising her yeah. as his own. Yeah, I, I what agree. What do you think, Mark? Uh, when he attacked Gamora's planet, he had his other men. He wouldn't point out anybody. They would just take charge of their own and make those decisions based upon their own thoughts or just randomly do it. So, And then the only person that he 
took in, and it could be seen as greedy because he took Gamora in for himself as his own daughter. Exactly. And he got Nebula from somewhere as well. You know, so we, we definitely see a precedent of maybe that's the only times he did it. But so so I had a suggestion to Mark uh, to give us a second half since we normally have two parts to our our podcast. And my second half was uh, your top five Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. The only rules are you can only pick five. Out of the 19 that we have, <laughs> uh, you can only pick uh, – yeah, and plus if you want to include the others, I guess you could include some of the, the X-Men or, or the ones that are not necessarily MCU types. Uh, and you don't have to list them in any, any particular order, but you can only choose five. So I'm going to let Mark start. What is your first, your one. number five? <laughs> we have we have some similar ones for sure, and, and we'll, I'll jump in on – we'll jump in oh, with those because okay. mine are not in any particular order. My, I just, I just threw my five out there as a shotgun. I didn't, I can't, I can't choose which. Well, I can kind of choose. My number five. Will go be ahead and give, give us your number five. First Avenger. I, I love the character just the same as any other character, just like Spider Man. Because oddly enough, Captain America was in Timely Comics before it turned to Marvel, and it wasn't until Stan Lee brought him back for Marvel. So he's like an original hero oh, wow. that wasn't originally a, a Marvel staple. It was more of a timely comics one. So I, I loved seeing this movie. My brother is a huge Captain America fan. I love that he was so noble in life before the transformation as well as after. Yeah, I got to love that character because it's and he doesn't hold any true great powers. It's, it, it, you know, he has great strength and agility from whatever was done to him everything else is all based upon courage yeah and that's why that's why it's my number five as well and if if i had to be pressed to to pick a number one it might be my number one um if i had to really list my most my favorite of all of them um and it is even though he is a chemically chemically enhanced superpowered but the the things that that the reason the chemical worked on him the way it did was because of those character traits of nobility, those those things that he was willing to do and the honor that he had. And I think that they, they showed that really well in that in the movie, the, the Captain America, the first Avenger. And I love that they kept the origin story that I remember from the 80s of him being found in the ice and, and being brought back to life from that that kind of reanimated uh, kind of thing, uh, I, I like that because that's the origin. That's the Captain America origin story that I remember from the eighties. You know, um, so I, I really yeah, Captain America Winter, uh, <laughs> Winter Soldier, Captain America. All right, the first cool. Avenger. So you have five. I have five. My number four would Avengers? be the number four? Hulk with Edward Norton. This is still with the MCU timeline, obviously. They use this mm -hmm. uh, actually in the first Avengers film because they use clips from The Incredible Hulk when Tony gets to see everybody's file. And you see the devastation he was doing in that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love the movie, but it was it, I thought it was very well done. And it received okay ratings when it first came out, and over time people started bashing it. Though I was not extremely happy about the mm -hmm. abomination in the film, it's still one of my go-to movies to watch. Uh, I think they could have done better with the abomination as far as the look and everything else, but uh, that that was my only drawback to that film. Yeah. 
and that's that's the Jennifer Connelly one, right? Is that Jennifer Connelly? It plays the girl, and it's uh, um, no, no, Liv Tyler actually plays anyway, Betty Ross. Liv Tyler, okay, Liv Tyler, okay, Betty Ross, not not, uh, but yeah, I like that. I like that film. It's it's been a while since I saw it, and I I like that they didn't redo the character that that Ruff, Mark Ruffalo basically just took over for Edward Norton in that in that character, but they carried on that same storyline even into his movie. Um, so yeah, that was that's really good. Um, my number four is I don't remember. Uh, my number four oh the Guardians of the Galaxy the the first Guardians of the Galaxy uh, movie because it's just I remember watching that movie for the first time and walking out saying that is my favorite Marvel movie of all. Yeah. I love the fun in it. I love I love all the I love uh, Rooker is is so good and so funny and uh, Chris Pratt is a that's the reason why I watched I started watching Parks and Recreation was because of that that's the reason why I've become such a huge fan of Parks and Recreation is is because of Chris Pratt and uh, seeing him in the Guardian uh, in this Guardians of the Galaxy movie I think it's it's so it, there's so much fun in it. And it's really great. I I still love a lot of the lines. I love that they referred back to it in Infinity War when Drax brought up the point about the dance off <laughs> to save the universe. I was I just love that. I love his his uh, his love of the original Footloose movie <laughs> is is great. Um, <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite that you know one of my favorite lines that I've quoted many times is uh, the uh, John John C Riley line when he says. Uh, when he walks up to Glenn Close and he says, ma'am, I have a message from someone and, and uh, says that he's an asshole, but he's not 100% a dick. And she says, do, do you think he's telling the truth? And, and John C. Riley says, well, ma'am, I don't think anybody's 100% a dick. <laughs> you know, I just I just love that uh, that interplay. And then at the end, when Rocket is trying to negotiate for what crimes he can commit and John Riley is like, no, that would be murder. Yeah, you yeah. can't Drax do that. would say that and goes, you know, no, and, that's murder. And, and, and Edward yeah, Rocket Drax, is like, no, that's stealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's stealing. But no, you don't understand. <laughs> I want it more than what they – yeah, just, I just love that that movie. I, I, I love the uh, – the, it's the beginning of, of that uh, romance between Peter Quill and, and Gamora that we see – that we're seeing carried on here. Uh, and I just – it's just a – it's a favorite of mine. I can – I could pop it in and watch it anytime and just and just sit yeah, there and my, enjoy it. That would lead me to my number three, right? That that would be Ant Man, yes. the yes. original Ant Man. I love the first movie so much because it was the first of that particular series, and they didn't start it with Hank Pym, who was the original Ant Man. They started with Scott Lang, and and I love that idea. Yeah, I never grew up with Scott Lang. I grew up with Hank Pym. So though I I'm do the same love way, right. and and the Wasp, this was, and will be the best introduction of an MCU character in my opinion, other than Captain America. That you know, uh, yeah, they both were the original Avengers in the comics, and both were extremely well done. Yeah, I liked Ant Man. I I need to go back and rewatch that first one uh, again just to just to to revive remind remind myself of it uh, because I like you know I'll uh, switch mine up a little bit here because uh, actually no I won't we'll get to it when we get to it but I like I like Ant Man too I I can agree with you I, I like uh, um and his name's escaping me Paul Rudd you know the guy that plays him is is so good and uh, just all the all the stuff that that went on with that uh which brings us to my number 3 
And uh, I'm going to keep it right in line with my number four, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is my number three. And, you know, even though it, it's slightly predictable, when you got towards the end, like I started to, to realize, I was like, oh, Kurt Russell's a bad guy. He killed Quill's mom. Like, I could see it coming the first time I watched it, even though, but there's so much in that movie that's so much fun. Um, Drax's interactions with Mantis, I, I just love uh, that. The, the the innocence that she brought and then his um his you know you're so ugly <laughs> uh, you know and uh, and uh, uh her you know when she says disgusting it just it just makes me laugh every time the the scene when they're flying through hyperspace and they had to do all those jumps and you seeing you're seeing rocket and all of them with their <laughs> eyes bugging out and uh, it just uh, that it just makes me laugh when they look out the window and they see Kurt Russell riding on on yeah, his spaceship, like like a you know, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, and Drax going, well, I can do that, and putting on the the suit so that he can he can hang outside the ship. It just that's the whole thing about these movies is there's just so much fun uh, for both of them, even though there there and there is some dark humor also in it. I mean, uh, Rooker kills everybody on that that spaceship uh, with his rock with his arrow you know um the the whole thing about rocket wanting the the guy's hand uh, at the hand <laughs> the eye or whatever it was that he, he wanted to get it just it, everything and there's so many callbacks to the to the first movie that uh, yeah that that guardians of the galaxy volume two it, it makes me laugh every time i watch it and i i love it i love to watch both of them back to back and just definitely. laugh with the first guardians of the galaxy <laughs> but uh this there you uh, go. The, the first installment <laughs> was so amazing it made phase two of the mcu what it should be mm-hmm. and from out of left field due to the fact that this was a yeah low-grade comic at the time when it came out it wasn't really regarded in any way so the this was pretty much an unknown tapped market for the comics something that no one would ever think of it was so far out of left field this was the star wars movie from marvel this was bringing the wider Mm -hmm. spectrum of the marvel universe to the mcu and uh to add on to your for guardians volume two you have to realize with the guardians that we have they're not the original ones that were in a comic. The original ones that were in the com- uh, in the comic actually were the characters we see at the very end of uh, Volume Two with Stallone and the other characters that you see mm. presented before you at after Yandu's like little funeral. And Yandu was part mm-hmm. of mm. that Guardians. And the fact mm. that I'm hoping they bring those characters back in Volume 3, because I would love to see Stallone and the rest of them come in. Yeah, I, I like one of the things that the Guardians movies does is it opens up a whole nother realm. It, it kind of opened kind of like with Thor, the Dark World, the Thor, the Dark World did uh is it opens up a whole different realm that they can make movies about you know we could we could have a whole slew of movies about the what are they the the stallone the what are they called the ravagers you know we can have we can have a whole slew of movies about them different things about what they're doing um you know about what's going on out in other places in the universe we could there's so many ways and so many things they can do that they have now opened up with this Guardians of the Galaxy storyline. That's that was what I loved about the first movie was it it didn't have any of our regular characters that we're used to seeing. You know, we're used to seeing Thor come in and save the day or Captain America or, or one of these guys uh 
come in and save the day and you suddenly realize that wait a minute there's other heroes out there and then you have somebody like quill like rocket you know and uh, and groot and i i like the fact that in in this movie infinity war you know everybody spoke groot it seemed like which that seems a little bit of a cop out to me because it was it was nice that there were people in the first movie the first guardian movie that didn't understand groot that you know that whole that whole exchange i think between rocket and uh, and Quill in the very first Guardians movie when he says, well, he doesn't know speaking as yeah. well as you and I do, you know. Yeah, well, is, and uh, Thor, really you know, great. you have to realize so, Thor uh, took an elective when he was on Asgard, so. Yeah, <laughs> I Am Groot was an elective. That's great. Uh, yeah, you know, that's one of those levity moments that you, you just had to chuckle at. So, yeah, I no, I liked it. I, uh, I, I'm with you, with you completely, which brings us to my number two, and I'll piggyback on your your Ant-Man because uh, for me, my number two is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, I thought it was funnier than the first one. I liked it better than the first one, even though, you know, the the, the joke is they just put <laughs> quantum in front of everything and that makes it mysterious, you know. Uh, but just all the scenes with uh, the, the woman who plays Ghost, she's also in uh, the yeah. TV show Killjoys that I really like. And uh, so I just that that's I, I kind of like that storyline and that character of Ghost because you have this person who this horrible thing happened to and then she ends up getting used as an assassin for so many years to where her psyche is just completely warped. And, you know, you think there's no redeeming quality to her, but they're able to find a, a redemption arc for her and I, I really like that that fact that we had that you know um yeah with ant-man and the wasp which i think oh, brings us to your Spider-Man number one coming i have a love for spider-man that has lasted since i was a kid so and i still love it i love spider-man to death so every incarnation that we've had since 1977 for a physical spider-man i've been in love with since Nick Hammond, Hammond did it, portrayed it on the TV movies and then the TV series, all the way to Tom Holland. Some bad, some good, <laughs> including the Japanese Spider-Man <laughs> that I mentioned on my uh, my Into the Spider-Verse review. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but they, you know, I Very loved cool. it. Uh, I can't say any more about Spider-Man and Homecoming was. The Spider-Man movie, I think we all wanted to see. I, I think they hit everything the way it was supposed to, and Sony listened to Marvel, and it worked. And I'm just hoping that uh, Far From Home is going to be the same way. That's great. Yeah, I, I really had I was, I was had a toss-up for my number one. It was really – Spider-Man Homecoming was right there. Um, I, I love that movie. That is probably I, – I will go on a limb and say it's my favorite Spider-Man movie of all the different incarnations that we've had here the last few years. That Spider-Man Homecoming was definitely – I like the way Tom Holland plays it. I like – um, just all the things that, about yeah. that story were just so cool. Um, but my number one is Thor Ragnarok, and I I really like this this concept because I, I like movies like Gladiator, I like movies like um, Braveheart, uh, all these these ideas of I guess Braveheart really doesn't fit in there, but Gladiator fits in there. Is the the guy being being thrown into a situation where he's a slave, he has to fight. And then he's able to turn the tables around and and escape. And I just like that uh, that that whole storyline. And, and I like the um, and I don't remember her name. I 
the I love the character of the female uh, Valkyrie who's <laughs> who's always drinking and uh, um, uh, and fighting and I, I just love. There's so many things about Thor Ragnarok that I enjoy that I can watch it. It's it's kind of like the Guardians movies for me. I can just pop it in and just watch it and just and just enjoy yeah, it for, the, for what it is. It's pretty cool how they've come around with Thor because the first one was pretty much a sleeper. And I didn't anticipate or go out mm-hmm. or out to go see the first one. The second one, I never got to. I really wanted to because I heard some great things about it, and I finally got it. And then I saw Thor Ragnarok in the theaters, and I was glad I did. Yeah, I, now now thinking back, I wish – I still have not seen Dark World, and I kind of wish I did because that would explain the whole thing about what happened with the reality stone. And that was the one thing for me that was confusing in this. That that's probably my only my only criticism, not only criticism, but one criticism I have of Infinity War, going back to it a little bit, is that they for the like the when he gets the he gets the power stone yeah. the power stone, he gets the space stone, and all they do is just tell us what happened. They just tell us that he decimated Xandar to get the space stone and you realize that means that everything that took place in the first guardians of the galaxy movie is basically erased basically was no good they they gave it to uh xandar to those to them to keep it safe and they weren't able to keep it safe from thanos and then you know loki's got the the power stone and he gets it from them and then he gets the reality stone from the collector he gets the time stone from Doctor Strange, and then he goes and gets the gets the Soul Stone and gets the Mind Stone. So you know, just that whole that Reality Stone was the one that's kind of that missing piece there that we don't know a lot about what happened. Yeah. All we see is the aftermath, you know, there um, on yeah. uh, nowhere, nowhere, yeah, nowhere. So. Okay. Well, very good. Well, those were our our top five MCU movies. Is there anything else we have to add, Mark? You've got some comic book Yeah, news, we got comic you? talk. Comic yeah, we got one that's sad. sad. Judge Dredd artist Ron Smith died today. Uh, we're doing this the 10th of January. So uh, he was 94, but he created it and started it back. And uh, it started with 2000 AD and Judge Dredd. So he created that character. Mm. Apparently he had been battling Parkinson's, but... Over the past few years, but honestly, you know, God love him. He uh, he survived that many years, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I still have somewhere. I have some of the old uh, graphic uh, graphic novel of the of the original uh, Judge Dredd that was that was put out. I've got them somewhere, I think. Um, and I just I just remember reading. That he based the character on Clint Eastwood. He 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 based the jawline and all that kind of on Clint Eastwood. And they really wanted Clint Eastwood to play him in the movie, but they they got the first movie, and that's when that's why they uh, ended up getting Sylvester Stallone uh, to do it. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's rough. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Uh, we could actually do that next week so we'll talk about that a little later but i want to continue on with comic talk uh basically uh i went to my local comic shop mind you i've been kind of laxed i haven't been i have like a bunch of comics i haven't read because of the holidays and with work and everything we're we're on that relaxed time where things start to slow down so i could actually do that this weekend i picked up but i have not read yet but it's friendly neighborhood spider-man number one 
And uh, what they did for comic books huh. uh, since Stanley's passing is having tribute covers. With this one, they had like five or six variant covers of Spider-Man in different guises. And a lot of them, like uh, I think a couple of them, have some from the actual video game, which, I'm sorry, I, I'm not a gamer, but I bought the game and I love playing it just to web-sling around. Uh, I watched a few people's YouTubes on the actual gameplay and how and the storyline, which was really cool. If anybody who's not a gamer, you could actually go on YouTube and watch all the scenes uh, after the actual initial boss fights and things like that, and and it'll play out almost like a whole cartoon. And the graphics are amazing on it, and the different mm. costumes they do get are really cool. But uh, like I said, I would go out and buy that uh, if you're a big Spider-Man fan. I'm probably going to replace my Spider-Man Deadpool. I'm going to end that line and then just continue with this because it's a new one and I'm curious about the story. Then uh, that's pretty much it. Like I said, I've been lax. So i got to keep up with my comics. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Very cool. No, uh, well, you, we you are, announce it. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, no, I was going to say we are we are still anticipating the the uh, out the release of the Punisher season two. We have a date if you if you haven't already heard January 18th, the Punisher season two will be dropping and uh, we will be covering that uh, starting on uh, starting the 30 the 31st of January. So you get ready to send us some feedback in for the Punisher season two once it drops. But uh, uh, for next week, what are we going to do, Mark, next week? But with that comes better news. Uh, Judge Dredd with Carl Urban came out in 2012. I love that movie. Uh, I really want to do a little bit of a review. I'm not sure if you got to watch it, Steve, but I figure we could talk about it. I've seen it. I've I've seen it a couple times um, in the in the past, so I definitely will because uh, I like Carl Urban. I like that. I like that take on the character. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to finding yeah, cool. it and so uh, and watching that it next week. The following week, we uh, before we get into Punisher, we we'll, we might have a bit of a review. Uh, I'm looking forward to going to see Aquaman this weekend. So I'll jot down some notes and ideas and thoughts. And I believe Steve wanted to watch. Glass. I am planning on going to see Glass when it comes out. Glass is supposed to uh, – that is the third movie in the M. Night Shyamalan uh, superhero trilogy that includes Unbreakable, Split, uh, and then the final part being Glass. That's supposed to uh, come out January 18th, so I'll be going to see that. So probably uh, the week after that, we'll do a little mini – some mini reviews of those movies, Aquaman and Glass, and then – as we stated, uh, get ready because the thirty first we will start. Uh, yeah, watch Punisher that season that just two dropped earlier today. I watched it and I was really jazzed about it. Uh, looks like a lot of action in I'm there. I'm excited. Looks like Frank's up to some good that could be not be good. I don't know, but I saw a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for uh, everything. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that doesn't watch trailers. So uh, we will get yeah, into definitely. that here in a couple of weeks. All right. To submit your feedback and theories, you could go to our Facebook group. That would be www.facebook.com slash panels to pixels. And if you want to email us, you could drop us an email 
uh, we already got one form of feedback from Pat. We love that, and we want more. So please, yeah, send in some comments. We'll read yeah. them. We'll bring them Absolutely. up. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll go on from there. Uh, you could email us at panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. That's panels, T-O, pixels, and the number one at gmail.com. So, Excellent. Uh, where else can listeners hear us, Steve? Uh, well, Mark is co-host of The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. That will be coming back here in just, um, gosh, almost a month, right? Yep. February 10th, Walking Dead comes back. So you guys should be uh, starting to gear up for that. I am going to set in on a roundtable for uh, Star Trek Discovery Talk Through tomorrow night, January 11th. So I don't know when uh, that will that will drop, but that's also on Golden Spiral Media. Also, I know that uh, Mark has some irons in the fire for some podcasts that he's going to guest on. I've got some irons in the fire for some podcasts that I want to guest on. Uh, and uh, so looking forward to, to hearing our voices, not just here on Panels to Pixels, but on, on various other podcasts as well. Sure. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels, everybody. Good night. Good night.